Let's face it, people have different sleep needs. While you love your partner, sleeping next to them might not always be the most comfortable. Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Maybe you prefer a firmer mattress and your partner needs something softer. Because of the individualized comfort that you get from Sleep Number Smart Beds, you and your partner will sleep better together. All Sleep Number Smart Beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. And their temperature balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. The smart beds even automatically respond and adjust to your movements so you sleep comfortably all night long. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards only at a sleep number store or sleepnumber.com i mean no one plans to get sick and yet here we are my name is matthew zachary i survived cancer a stroke and covid19 and somehow i'm still here I also survived our stupid broken healthcare system, and I want to help you survive it too. So let's go make healthcare suck less together. Because you know what? We're all out of patience. Hey, that's the name of the show. All righty, friends, welcome back to the show. Before we get started, if you haven't already, have a listen to the Cancer Mavericks, our groundbreaking new eight-part history series about the origins of cancer advocacy. Stories about the people rather than the disease. So search for the Cancer Mavericks wherever you listen to your podcasts. On the show today, I'm so thrilled to welcome again live here in studio, Allison Silverman, the CEO at Stupid Cancer, my old job for real, and Shannon Wyant, fellow young adult cancer survivor and sitting member of the Stupid Cancer Board of Directors, also my old job. The best conversations are those without an agenda that just kind of manifest from the chemistry you get by actually seeing people live and in person. Eye contact matters. So prepare your Wayback Machine and your Magic 8-Ball for a Wikipedia throwback into how the sausage was and continues to be made. This is all for the largest young adult cancer support community in the world, you know what it is, stupid cancer all day, every day. This one is dedicated to Annie Goodman, Jason Malott, Chad Whitman, Allie Powers, Emily Morrison, Erica Paul, and Lauren Scott. We miss you. We love you forever. Now let's get started. How do we start this? We're here in person. I know. I, I what is this right. like? Exactly. You're here. I see you physically and Wow. What's that like? So I spent two months in Florida. <laughs> so this is pretty normal being close to people. Well, Florida was like, what's COVID, right? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. No, exactly. Um, while I was there, most of the places that you would go to, like the grocery stores and certain businesses would be really strict about the mask. But then you would have this contradiction where you're walking to the beach where you have all the space between you and everyone else. And on the side of the road, there's a mass group of people who are um, convinced that a certain president that we recently <laughs> did not um, reelect will become president again next month. 
cool. and rally for that. At that's the right. Same time. After this taping, that's right. August, we're taping in uh, mid July. He was going to be suddenly president again yes. by August. Yes, and if not, the I think the plan is twenty twenty four and then twenty twenty eight for Ivanka. Okay, so, so much to look forward to. Yeah, so I somehow can see that the direction this conversation is going in person with New Yorkers. <laughs> well, all right, so listeners, just before the show, we were discussing like who has the best immune system. So I had uh, I had cancer twice, I had a stroke, and I had COVID. So I don't know, Shannon, you had cancer, cancer once. And COVID. And COVID, yeah. After being vaccinated. Right. (laughs) But Allison, are you scot-free? I can't top that. I mean, you got weird genes in your family stuff going on, but like you're you're clean right now, not good, right? I yeah. (laughs) I'm I've just got like the weird Ashkenazi Jew stuff happening. But no, we are yeah. Dear Tay-Sachs disease. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) What's crazy to me is that I was in Mexico when this was exploding and and I'm, while I'm in Mexico, I'm getting messages from my work saying that they're talking about working from home. We know our research team, I work for a finance firm was, you know, on top of things and wanted us to be ahead of the game. And that freaked me out. Um, And when I got home, the person I had gone to Mexico with, we, we came home early because he was getting a fever. And we thought it was sun exposure because we'd been out in the sun quite a bit. But something in my gut was like, we have to go home now. And the next day he was diagnosed with COVID. So I'm confused. I went and got, you know, I couldn't get tested at the time, but I got tested eventually um, for the antibodies. Didn't have COVID. Well, I had COVID before it was trendy. <laughs> I had it in February of 2020. Well, not, I mean... <laughs> That's like before we even knew what it was. You are a trendsetter. Huh? I, I, you know, <laughs> you, hey, you are an influencer. <laughs> I, I, I gotta, I gotta do some stuff, right? I had like, I was sick in bed, like you know, where you're so sick, where you're like you feel gravity, like yes. the earth is pulling you yes. into the floor through your mattress. And I, you know, I didn't have any respiratory stuff. Looking back, I just was like had a hundred and two fever and I couldn't move. And months and months later, I mean, I've shared this story. We took the kids to the pediatrician because they were testing kids and they did the uh, the PCR and the blood on all four of us because mom and dad were there. Right. And they all came back negative with no antibodies. And I came back negative with antibodies. Like, how the That's hell is crazy. that? Yeah. So thank you, everyone. And you're welcome. <laughs> you definitely win. Yeah. I win the the how the hell am I alive-ometer. Yes, yes, you do. And There's a lot of other people on that scale too. It's funny how you say that we know what it feels like to lay down and feel like the earth is pulling you down. I actually think when I nod my head, that's a very like cancer survivor experience at some point. And you know, nodding your head on the radio is the right it's- way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Again, yes. we're stuck in Zoom. Nobody can see us. Exactly. <laughs> right. That I mean, it's 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 quite flavorful to come live in person on the radio. You know, I'm old. I say radio, podcasting, whatever, where, yeah, people can't see us. We're not taking pictures and videos. Like, you know, if you don't like it, change the channel. But this is who we are. I'm perfectly okay with that. I kind of like it. I'm I'm so sick of Zoom. Oh, my God. So yes. sick of Zoom. Yes. I mean, I'm a gregarious person who wants to see people. And I definitely overdid it. Like, at the very beginning of, of COVID, I set up twice weekly um, happy hour Zooms with my girlfriends, a lot of whom are single and were going through difficult times before this happened. And we were on there on time with our wine for two and three hours at a time. And then slowly as their work became, you know, like everyone else's on Zoom, we slowly drifted down (laughs) to one. And then finally it would get to the point where I would get online and only one other person would be there. 
And it became a joke that we would just do it so that we weren't drinking alone. So like you could text somebody and say, I know we're not happy houring tonight, but I want to have a glass of wine. I don't want to do it alone. Um, but now I'm definitely, I'm worn out. It's totally worn out. I was reading an article. In fact, we discussed this on the Vaxon episode, I think last week, how a lot of people because of COVID are finally having like their gestalt moment. Like these are people who were lucky enough to never had trauma mm -hmm. in their life. And this is traumatic to an mm -hmm. extent in the spectrum of trauma, right? And they're reevaluating their lives. Do I really want to work here? People are looking for different jobs. They don't want to be unemployed. They're desperately trying to like switch their jobs and find purpose. How do yeah. you feel about it? I mean, as cancer people, like, fine, I'm glad you found your special purpose. I'm sorry it took a, <laughs> a global pandemic. But, you know, we're not comparing. I nearly died. Maybe you kind of maybe almost thought about possibly dying, not to downplay it, but right. thoughts, ideas. Hmm. No, I get it. If there's something about why is it, I mean, I'm thinking from the perspective of a new employer looking at someone having gaps potentially in their employment, which is a big issue for young adults in particular facing cancer and trying to explain that, like, why did you go to school and not start working? You started a job and you you left it for a long time and, and understanding that saying that you had cancer is a totally legitimate reason to have a, a gap in your employment. It seems like it's more legitimate to say it was COVID. And then that's the end of the story. My, my sense is that people aren't going to ask you, knowing about HIPAA, they're not going to ask you about COVID. But I know so many young people who have had to go to organizations like, you know, Cancer and Careers or stumble through. And, and you just did a whole um, podcast about this, about people, who the whole movement of trying to get people to understand that you can't fire somebody or not hire somebody because they had cancer. COVID is- Wait, you listen to my show? I Can you imagine? Thank you, listener. <laughs> There's a little plug. My listener, listeners. Yeah. No, it's a real, well, it's a really interesting history of people taking care of themselves, right? That's what this is all about. Yeah. The stigma of cancer definitely seems to be more egregious than COVID. Almost like there's a badge of honor that, you know, I took this moment in life to move to the Hudson Valley and get a farm. <laughs> <laughs> Said me never. <laughs> As opposed to like, I sat in a hospital room for 18 months and almost died from cancer, but I'm not going to tell anybody about that. I mean, in doing the documentary and doing the Cancer Mavericks documentary, it's been so revealing to learn about what it really was like in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. But this idea of cancer being contagious, right? Like mm -hmm. that was the big deal. People thought I was magnetic and could pick things up. But today it's more like, we're past that. I think most people understand cancer is not contagious, but it's still like, are you okay? What can I do? And another conversation that I know we talked about that was, it was a cancer con was how do you just deal with other people not understanding how to talk to you? Yeah. I actually have a lot of coworkers who come directly to me when they have a loved one or a friend or a family member that's diagnosed and their first words are, what do I do? How mm -hmm. do I show up? How can I talk to them about it? When do I become, become overbearing? And I mean, they, they know, they know me well enough because I'm very open about my 25 years cancer free, but also trying to navigate that. I think I've made this joke with stupid cancer stories that I've, I felt like I was what not to do when you get cancer, <laughs> including if someone talked to me in a way that was inappropriate or didn't understand that I wouldn't necessarily be tactful or gracious or compassionate, but it's a tough topic. But what is it about cancer that makes you lose your humanity or as, as the person that's trying to help. I mean, you know, if somebody gets the flu, you're like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Let me bring you some chicken soup. Right. If somebody gets cancer, you're like, ah, they I don't know what to do with yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yo I, yo, I got the chemo in my truck. Okay, exactly. <laughs> Seriously. 
Well, it's funny that you say, I mean, and again, this is, you know, one last uh, show about uh, people thinking that cancer was uh, contagious because I heard about that study when I was diagnosed in 1995 because I had Hodgkin's lymphoma as a blood cancer. It, to this day, cannot give blood or donate organs to save someone else's life because there's still apparently a question mark. Maybe that question mark is dated and not real. But the stigma of cancer equaling death in any way, shape, or form, I think it's our relationship to death that actually keeps people from being able to have the conversation with people when they're in the thick of the illness itself, even if there's a really good chance that they're going to be fine, or even if we don't know, and they end up, whatever the outcome is, it's the relationship to death, I think, that stops people from showing up. Back with our guest after the break. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I want to talk about this idea, the jargon and the acronyms. So like, I just make fun of jargon and acronyms all the time. Precision medicine, immunotherapy, you know, a targeted medicine. So like this idea that your DNA now defines your outcome and not your geography of your cancer. Is it easier than ever to not die from cancer? Is it fair to say that? Take the young adult misdiagnosis route out for a second. Mm -hmm. right? There are so many diagnostics and precision stage three, phase three, Diet, you know, immunotherapy, like where if you don't get standard of care and you get this thing, you're probably going to be fine more than ever. Like going back to Mavericks, you kind of just died. Shannon and I got lucky in the 90s, Clinton mm. cancer, right? We got lucky in the <laughs> 90s. But today, people that get sick are likelier to be able to access something that's targeted to their genes and likely not die way less. You know, I think it's it's easier to 
identify it because of all of the biomarkers and precision medicine and blah, 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 those words. But I don't, I don't know that that has changed, especially for AYAs, how it's treated. And I think so much of, of AYAs is not just the cancer, but it's all the other shit around it. Yep. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, I think, I think so much of the support and, and your mindset has a big role in how you face your treatment, how you get through your treatment, how you face your survivorship. It's just, it's all so interconnected and it's an interesting point, but I also think it now it makes us look at cancer. I mean, we know that cancer is not one disease, right? It's, right. it's thousands yeah. of different diseases, but it makes it, it breaks it down to such a, to such a minute scale that we now are looking at all of these different diseases and trying to attack all of these different diseases under the same umbrella of cancer. And it's not, it's, it's thousands of different things. Right. Like the days of cancer geography, like I said before, are mm -hmm. over. So, so help me unpack this then. So like, we know that most people that get sick are like over 65 years old. They're on, you know, Medicare or Medicaid Part D, whatever it is. And they're likely to go to a comprehensive cancer center, ideally if they're not in the center or these oral parodies let you get your treatments in the middle of nowhere. But AYA, are, are, are we still just as fucked as we used to be? Or have, have you noticed any, I mean, I have my opinions, but where are you on the, have we made progress in AYA? I mean, I think, I think yes. Uh, and I'm going to bring out my Canadian self. I think the progress is there. <laughs> progress. Um, and, um, my experience uh, volunteering with and serving on the board of Stupid Cancer, hosting digital meetups and hearing stories firsthand, I just feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of shit in the way. I mean, I'll speak for myself. If I got, if I was younger and got cancer right now, I have a tough time Googling a restaurant that I want to go to. <laughs> and I know that sounds ridiculous. And I'm sure there's people my age in this day and age who definitely know how to do that better than I do. But I, I was just saying this to someone else about, you know, mental health and, and how do you find a therapist and how do you find a psychiatrist? It's, it's worse than trying to find a, a partner on Tinder. Like, I just don't think that there's enough public information that's accessible, particularly AYAs, if that's not where their focus is. And that, that, that isn't where their focus should be, right? They should be focused on whatever it is they're doing, school, traveling the world, minus COVID, you know, starting a career, starting a business. And yet, I don't, I don't know how to answer that question. I think it's sort of yes and no. And, and it's about community. Again, like if you can find a community, well, you're not going to look for the community before you get sick, right? Right. No one says, I can't wait to go on Katruda. Right, exactly. <laughs> one day I will be on Katruda. Exactly. Life goals. Um, I mean, one of my personal agendas before I leave the planet is to create some kind of, um, and Allison, I haven't talked about this yet, Ooh. I might have mentioned it a little bit to you, that I would love to see more stories and um, even more mainstream documentaries of young adults who have been diagnosed with cancer, not so much just to bring it about as awareness in terms of like how the medical industry has to put its attention on it, but for your fellow classmates to know that it exists. For when you are in school and you feel a lump, you don't think I'm 19, I'm just going to finish this semester and then figure it out later. There's still a lot of young people who aren't getting the normal annual tests that we should be getting to begin with because we're more focused on, especially at that age or those ages, of, like we're worried about STDs, not about um, cancer. And so many stories come out of accidents, you know. Well, my brother-in-law was diagnosed with urinary sarcoma because he fell on a skateboard yeah, at 15 yeah, yeah. years old. They would have never known he mm -hmm. had that unless he went to the orthopedist. My brother also had urinary sarcoma and was diagnosed at stage four because he saw everybody else because they thought, what? 24-year-old gets cancer, even though Ewing sarcoma is a pediatric cancer, but 
you know, he, he was like, ow, my leg hurts. And they were like, oh, well, maybe you pulled a muscle. But, you know, I think it's, it's, I think the science shows us that you're fucked. Right. I think there's so much more organizations and people like stupid cancer and like you guys who are talking about it and, and like, yeah, you're not planning. Nobody plans to get cancer, but, and, and I hate that term raising awareness cause it feels so empty, but, yeah. but you know, we know that 70% of employees are in the AYA age range or Gen Z or millennials. Right. So this is something that we should all care about, even if you don't care about cancer. I think I agree with that. And also, you know, to go and use a term that Matt's used and in, in, in a term that we just recently used um, at Digital Cancer Con is this AYA alum category. And there's a lot of those AYA alums who are not just looking for community, but also use their voice pretty. More of us are being more vulnerable, I think, as we realize, especially I think COVID probably helped with this, that we don't want to necessarily just show shiny, happy people on Instagram and other social media contents. That's the right word. Yeah, um, you heard it they're, here. They're showing, <laughs> words. <laughs> I'm making up words. Um, no, seriously. Like I'm thinking about. You know, I I hashtag stupid cancer into my running photos that have nothing to do with fundraising or anything like that. So that there there is an opportunity to create the knowledge that it exists in the world, and that you know if something's going on with you, you should check it out. Do you remember when I self servingly invented the AYA Alumni Society in 2014 when I turned 40? <laughs> I didn't meet you until like 2016. I oh, think. really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, all right. Yeah. Well, 20... 2014 is the year that I finally got involved in ah. the AYA space, but I didn't know about you yet. Yeah. I, I, Kenny and Allie Ward and I just decided because I'm turning 40, then everyone else mattered. Like yeah. Allie. So I, <laughs> Allie and I were like joking, like, all right, I'm going to grandfather you in because she was out many, many years before I was. And at, at OMG in, in Vegas at the time, which was the name before CancerCon. Uh, I just invented the, the Stupid Cancer Alumni Society and said, you're all welcome to the club if you're older than me. It was really, really funny. But you're absolutely right. Like, what can we do as alum? Yeah. And are we still relevant to the 21-year-old that gets sick in 2021 versus us being like geezers to them when we had cords and no internet during Clinton cancer? Yeah, I, I really hope so. I mean, I've said this to Allison, I've said this to you. There's so many times that I've gone to CancerCon and felt like, Oh, I'm just here to volunteer and create space and be of service and realized every time that I took away something that is continuing to support me as a survivor. I mean, you convinced me very last minute to come to CancerCon when I was caring for a partner who was ill. And it was the first time ever that we had a breakout session of what it does it mean to be a young adult who has or had cancer who turned into a caregiver. That was life-changing for me. And I just had a DMU um, uh, right after CancerCon where someone on the the DMU mentioned that there was a breakout session with young men. He's starting to feel like that the, we're using this word aging out and we're trying to say that you can't age out. Scientifically, maybe you age out, but not out of this club, mm-hmm. as you put it. Um, and he brought up the name Scott Slater, which <laughs> Matt knows well, and said that when he was younger and first got involved with stupid cancer, that Scott had been a mentor to him. But he himself this year, this gentleman, um, I'm going to say his name, Stephen Heaviside, because he's becoming a great, I'm trying to, Total yeah, shout out a, to amazing um, advocate. I think almost unintentionally, he was just really gifted at it. Um, took a bunch of people, you know, when he looked around the, the Zoom room and everybody was, you know, 18 and here he is. I don't know what he is. I don't know what you are, Stephen. Sorry. Maybe you're in your thirties. <laughs> I mean, it looks like he's 20 still but to you me. you look great. You look amazing, <laughs> friend. Um, just immediately thought of Scott Slater and you know, kind of honed his energy and used it and felt really good about where he is. Like it, it 
encouraged him. I think a lot of us talk about making our survivorship worthwhile because we can get onto the next topic if that's even around the corner is like survivor's guilt, right? Which is a part of what that AYA alum group is often dealing with. I'm one of the oldest medulloblastoma survivors in the country. Say that again. (laughs) (laughs) Slowly this time. (laughs) Medulloblastoma. That was the name of my term. Again, fucking syllables, right? That was what I had when I was 21. But that's a pediatric cancer. Normally kids that get it are like under eight. And I'm 47 now, happily 47. But I still get connected to parents who have newly diagnosed kids that look to me to say, I hope my child grows up to be like you, not like Matthew Zachary, but like a guy who had (laughs) cancer 25 years ago. Right. All right. Question for Allison. Help me unpack how AOA cancer is different, more like sociologically in Gen Zers than it was in like Gen X and millennials. What's new in the universe of the interwebs. Oh boy. And social wokeness and mental health. There's so much stuff that even I'm trying to figure out how to say it the right way. Mm-hmm. What are you seeing in the landscape of the the next generation of AYAs? As with any kind of shift from one generation to the next, it's the way that they communicate and the way that we need to create space for them to communicate and receive their information. You know, us us old folks we were just talking before, we like to talk on the phone and, you know, maybe not see people all the time and, <laughs> and have like our our phones connected to the wall and walk around the kitchen. And the kids these days, they're they're on social media. They're get we know that people are getting information from social media. And so I think it's kind of our ch- to kind of go back to our previous conversation. It's our charge to make sure that the information that's front and center is the good information, not the garbage that's out there. Um, but I think there's also this feeling that in the Gen Z community that that it's they're kind of in this lost space, right? They're not millennials are a huge part of the population and the population in general not just the AYA population but but the gen zers are they're younger they're 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 a smaller population and they're in that stage in your development where everything is just you're just like what the fuck like I'm right. a teenager and I'm figuring it out and I don't know how to figure it out and now I have cancer and and so I I think you know it's very much a different way of absorbing information and understanding um, and so I think that's, you know, something that, that we all need to be cognizant of that, that other folks in the community need to be cognizant of. And, you know, as, as that kind of progresses into the, you know, whoever comes, I don't know what generation is after Gen Z, does it start over? Um, right. Gen A, let's just make that up. Okay. Go back okay. to A or double A, like in the theater, goes to double A. When, when they age into that, you know, adolescent space, then it's going to be a, a whole other conversation and, and the Gen Zers will shepherd them into it. But um, yeah, I think it's really, it's really about how information is absorbed and shared. I mean, I'm just curious about the in-person nature of how Gen Zers really did like to physically see each other because that's how we lived our lives in middle school, high school, and college. We, we could only be with each other or talk on the phone on a cord, like mm-hmm. to one person at a time, right? Like, dear call waiting. Remember the life before yeah. call waiting and caller ID? <laughs> caller ID was interesting because like then you knew who was calling. Otherwise, like, fuck, it's this guy. You're like, you have no choice yeah. but to pick up the phone or busy pranks. signals. I miss busy. Anyway, yes. I'm digressing. But like- I think what Stupid Cancer was able to accomplish in the early days was it was a very Gen X brand, very Gen X brand. And we we loved the idea. The meetup idea came out of like, we just want to physically see each other. The hospital support groups are, are total shit. I want to just physically see other people. But now, A, I mean, the pandemic notwithstanding, 
I have friends who have teenage kids that text each other from the ne next room. Mm -hmm. Like, is there a real desire to physically see each other and talk? Have we lost the capacity to talk to each other in these generations? And would the prospect of a cancer con in real life, ideally, obviously hybrid is going to make total sense. I'm seeing that working really well across the board economically. But is there a desire of the next generation to actually still want to physically be in person or do they just want to be virtual on their phones? I think we've learned, if we've learned anything from COVID and hopefully we've learned something, um, is that, yes, we could do all of this stuff over our computers and sometimes it's more efficient, sometimes it's easier, but there will always be that desire to see people face-to-face, mm -hmm. -face. like that, that you cannot replace that. Conversation is more efficient, it's more engaging, it's more supportive. And I think especially when you're thinking about dealing with a trauma like cancer as a young person, there, there really is no better way of finding that support. I don't think it's going to be like, you know, like the 90s when when people actually got together in large groups and, you know, that was the only way. And, you know, back when you made a plan with somebody and you stuck with it and you weren't late because if you were late, they thought you were dead. Yeah. <laughs> <Except> <laughs> oh, my God. But, you know, it's so true. Being in, in real life is is always going to be a thing. I think the parody in my head, of course, is like, fine, cancer comes in real life. There's a hotel room uh, where there's a mini conference called like Sage Bolte is in there with like 21 cancer patients and they're all texting each other. Yes. There's no, there's no voice. They're just all texting each other <laughs> back and forth. You can't see this on the radio, but I'm frantically attempting to text really fast. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not really intentionally making fun of Gen Zers. I just, I'm yeah, just, no, I'm being the indoor Gen Xer. Yeah. Yeah. Help us understand you. Help exactly. me help, help you. Right? Exactly. I mean, I've, I've heard a lot of feedback already that the Digital Cancer Con has been super profound in, in, in the fact that there are so many people who came from hospital beds, which was a huge thing. But at the same time, there is a very vocal desire to be in person with one another. Um, the whole idea of just hugging each other, especially after you know sitting on a screen with 20 people and someone's going through a really, really tough time and all you want to do is you know give them a hug, assuming that, that their immune system will allow for that. Unfortunately, that's part of that story, but um, both have to happen. But I think you're right. I think there might be a lot of texting. Although the app, having the app idea, which you know, we've done in the past with Cancer Guys, having that app where people can sort of have their mini that conference. That app was a great idea. Props to Ellie Ward Face for inventing the CancerCon app. That yeah. was fantastic. It was like Facebook just for the event. Yeah. And mm -hmm. it was a fantastic way to for, for those folks who want to talk on, on text. All right. Final word, Allison. What's new with Stupid Cancer? What can people learn and do that's fantastic and exciting that may or may not have to do with teasing cancer kind of real life next year? <laughs> <laughs> well, so like I said, we did learn a lot from COVID. Um, a lot of our, pro all of our programs went digital last year, are still digital this year, but, and I think we'll continue to do that. Um, I, you know, we learned that and we saw that there are people who didn't have access to support in a way that was meaningful to them. And so we hope to continue to be able to do that in 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 ways that really do help them. Um, but like Shannon said, we all need a hug and we need to see each other's faces and be in each other's presence. And so we are going to be coming back together in person. We will have an in-person cancer con next year. Um, details to be announced shortly, um, but it will be next summer. So start making your plans. Um, but it's really about making sure that everybody in the community, caregivers, Patients, survivors, professionals are all 
at the table, having the conversation, whether it's over Zoom or whether it's in person, but but we're all there, you know, supporting one another and, and kind of seeing a way through this. Shannon Wyatt, 25 years? 25 years. Clinton cancer. Yes. <laughs> it's our silver cancer anniversary, you and me. It's our silver cancer anniversary. It is. It is. It's funny. I mean, usually, you know, you, Matt knows this, that we get the congratulations, like somehow we're the heroes that are yeah. still alive, that we have that control over this. Congratulations so how, on not how being How brave dead. you have been for the last 25 years. Um, but I just had it reflected back to me um, during a psychiatric evaluation like real validation that what I went through, especially when I went through it was, I didn't even have to tell her how isolating it was. Like her immediate response was like, oh my God, not only is getting cancer, a cancer diagnosis traumatic, but to literally have no information, no Google, no WebMD to scare the daylights out of you um, even, or I'm human. I mean, the first time I ever even met a person in person near my age that had cancer was actually when I was about to start treatment. And it was a, just a very rare experience. Just tell this um, shortly that this um, young man, very, very coincidentally, I did not know had had cancer because we were in high school together when he was in remission. And I was there making a decision about how my treatment would go forward. And they said, we have this young person here getting treatment. And of course, it was your classic scenario that I was in the geriatric ward and, you know, there was a pediatric ward and he was getting treated in the geriatric ward because we were the same age at the time. And when he came through the door, I just about fell on the floor because it never, it, it just doesn't, it didn't seem possible. I, and the whole way I survived that was in denial about the whole thing. And then to meet him face to face. And then I did not meet another young person with cancer again until 2007, wow. 1995 to 2007. Um, it well, was, I'm, I'm just I'm thrilled you joined the board, by the way. I mean, Thank you. I, that was a while ago. But congratulations like, on joining the board of directors. <laughs> Thank and you. it's just the best use of your purpose. Thank you. Yes. No, it's an honor beyond words. I'm very excited to be a part of it and to make sure that there's always a place for someone to go when they're diagnosed yep. as a young adult. Okay. Shannon Wyatt. Board of Directors, member of Stupid Cancer, Allison Silberman, CEO of Stupid Cancer, my old job. You're doing great. I'm so proud. I'm just so, like, I'm just so proud. So thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Stupidcancer.org, all day, every day, you know what it is. See you later, folks. That's all for today, folks. If you like today's show, be sure to subscribe, leave a review, follow us on social, and tell all your friends to listen. Out of Patience with Matthew Zachary is a product of Offscript Media. Our executive producer is Matthew Zachary. Our senior producers are Brianna Seeley, Jen Orange, and Andrew McDowell. It is mixed and edited by Brianna Seeley. Our theme music is by the Mike Van Allen Quintet and by Mara. For advertising and media inquiries, email media at offscript.com. Hit us up at contact at offscript.com to share comments, feedback, and make recommendations. For more information, visit offscript.com.